This episode is brought to you by Quarter. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world straight to your pocket for free. Their main mission is to create a completely new bridge between companies and shareholders and really to reinvent investor relations as we know it. You can try out Quarter today by typing in Q-U-A-R-T-R in your app store of choice. That's Q-U-A-R-T-R or simply click the link in the show notes. And there's five key points to remember about Quarter. One, Quarter is completely free. Two, they include companies from over 16 markets today and plan to add more over time. Three, they easily allow new companies on their platform by simply requesting the ticker of the company and they'll get back to you instantly. Four, users can now leave reactions while listening to calls to make their voices heard. And five, again, it's free and I only back products that I believe in and products that I use every single day. Quarter is an everyday part of my process and I wouldn't live without it. That's Q-U-A-R-T-R. Try it out today. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to talk to you about MIT Investment Management Company, also known as Matimco, the investment office of MIT. Each year, Matimco invests with a handful of new emerging managers who it believes can earn exceptional long-term returns in support of MIT's mission. In order to help the emerging manager community more broadly, they created EmergingManagers.org, a website for emerging manager stock pickers. For those looking to start a stock picking fund or those just looking to learn about how others have done it, I highly recommend this site. You'll find essays and interviews by successful emerging managers, service providers used by MIT's own fund managers, essays Matimco has written for emerging stock pickers, and more. Matimco also occasionally and opportunistically hires new members for their investment team. To view the job description, please visit matimco.org global investor. That's M-I-T-I-M-C-O dot O-R-G slash global investor. The Matimco team spends their time learning about great businesses and investments, working with exceptional investors around the world in order to support generations of MIT innovators. I'm also excited to announce our newest sponsor, Tegas. Tegas has the world's largest collection of instantly available interviews on all the public and private companies you care about. All you have to do is log in and type in a stock ticker or a keyword. For example, if you're interested in gaming stocks, you can type in RBLX for Roblox, or type in the keyword metaverse and instantly read hundreds of calls on the company and industry. Tegas actually makes primary research fun and effortless too. Instead of weeks and months, you can learn a new industry or company in hours and all from those that know it best. Now I only sponsor products that I use every day and Tegas is no exception. Since joining, I spend nearly all my time reading Tegas calls on existing companies and new ideas into my portfolio. And I know you will too. So if you're interested Head on over to tegas.co forward slash value hive for a free trial to see for yourself. Again, that's tegas.co forward slash value hive.
Hello. Brewster. What's happening, man? Let me see if I can add you. Let me see if I can add you as a co-host real quick. As a host? Ooh. Co-host, yeah. Dude, we got uh Richmond um who are they playing? Iowa going on right now. Uh, I didn't even fill up my bracket. I didn't either, and I'm pretty sad about that. This is the consequence of not working with people. <laughs> that's true. If there's anything that's crushed, uh, been crushed from work from home, it's the annual bracket buster challenge. Yeah, no doubt. I was no good at it anyway, but I always enjoyed it. All right, so I'm thinking we do. I might give a couple more minutes uh, to let people kind of file in. Um, but, you know, while while everybody's listening, the way I kind of want to structure this and you, know, you can bounce ideas off of me is just do a quick, you know, interview on, on kind of what I think, um, you know, like what what you've learned from your, you know, couple seasons doing a podcast. And uh, and then we can go in just a Q&A. Maybe we can open it up to both of us. Um, you know, if I feel like I have anything that's halfway decent, maybe I'll, maybe I'll chime in, but, um, but yeah, I think we kind of go, we go that way and, uh, try to go heavy on the Q and a, um, you know, where, where, where we can. Yeah, man. I am certain you will have as much to add, if not more than I do. I don't know about that. We'll see. I'm actually just coming off of interviewing, uh, Frederick uh necker value oh that's dope yeah he's a he does great stuff dude he's so he's so cool i'm trying to convince him to come up to annapolis um hang out for the weekend he's he's been to dc but has never never been to annapolis so we'll we'll see if that happens he's a nice guy yeah all right so let's uh we got we got 20 y'all in here so why don't we just we just dive into it here so you know bill um I wanted I wanted to get Bill on a podcast like platform uh, for the second time, and a lot of you might not even know, but I interviewed Bill back in I think it was like the heat of COVID. It was like March, late March of 2020, I believe, or some some sometime. I think right it was. Then. I think it was even earlier than that, man. Might have been. Might have been um, back in the back in the. Yeah, way back, way back when, and you know, since then you've. I mean, your, your, your Twitter's popped off, your podcast is doing extremely well. And, and, um, you know, you've, you've, you've done a lot of cool things, provided a lot of value. And so I thought what better way to kind of, um, touch base again, than maybe in some sort of Twitter, Twitter spaces, which you suggested. And so, um, first, first question I have for you is, um, you know, what, what have you learned most about yourself through doing a podcast that you wouldn't have otherwise, realized about yourself um it could be strengths it could be weaknesses could be anything i i think i probably learned how dumb i am uh you know i i just think it's uh audio is such an amazing platform and i've always i've always been enamored with it uh and you know like whether it's saying something on value after hours and having somebody like i said something about dahlia once and uh, a guy from uh, over there popped into my DMs and was like, this is why you're wrong. And he broke it down. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, small cap activism and a guy from an activist fund pinged me. And, you know, I didn't know. Uh, I, I guess I'd sum it up by the, the people that are listening. You never know. And on top of that, I found them to be uh, 
super helpful. Um, you know, like I don't, I mean, I rub some people the wrong way. They're never going to really like me and I guess that's fine. But, uh, for the, for the majority, for the majority of people, I feel like there's, uh, you know, there's a connection that builds and, uh, you know, I guess after a long time, they've gotten to know my good and my bad. And I've, I've, I've really built some, some solid, solid connections. And I think almost 95% of people out there are looking to help you if you're asking. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I, I share similar sentiment. Like whenever, whenever I talk to somebody, um, I don't know, I don't know if you've kind of faced this conundrum, but it's like every really smart person I know always says how they like love not being the smartest person in the room. And every time I'm like, yeah, but you realize you're not the dumbest person in the room. Like so statistically that, <laughs> yeah. that cannot be true. And so whenever, whenever I you know interview people, I'm always like, yeah, like I, like you, if you and I are in the same room, you are not the dumbest person in the room. Like I know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's intimidating. Right. And, and I also, you know, I mean, I think that the other side, of, of what we're saying is I, I think that, you know, as you get to know people, you realize even, even, um, you know, people that you think are, uh, you know, maybe walk on water a little bit and many times they're trying to figure out stuff just like you are. Now, I think, um, a lot of them have things a lot more figured out than I do, but they don't have all the answers. Yeah. And what were, what were some things, you know, let's, let's, let's go back now to kind of like your first iteration of the podcast doing, doing those first two episodes. Um, let's say you listen to them again. And first off, like, I don't know if you listen to your own podcast or not, but I don't. Yes, I, don't. I listen all I, the time. I refuse to listen to my own podcast. I hate the way I sound. And so that's like a funny little thing. I, I do not listen to my podcast, but um, what are, what are some things that you just cringe at when you go back and listen, whether it's the questions you ask or, or, you know, kind of the manner in which you ask them and, and, you know, just realizing that it's a sign of improvement over time. Well, like the first one with Mike Mitchell, we, we fucked up the editing, um, on that one. And I, uh, if I could do it all over again, I would have, um, it, it sounds like I cut him off a lot, but I didn't, uh, it's just the way that it was edited. So, you know, that, uh, that I wish I could add back and I may just drop like the raw version someday. But, um, I, th I think, uh, the episode that I would take back if I could, and I think that it was a good example of what I was doing wrong was which when I, um, when I interviewed George, uh, from, uh, Levitus, is it Levitus, Levitus? Uh, I think it's Levitus from yeah. Upslope Capital. Yeah. Like yeah. he's a great guy. And yep. I, I just, I, I made that interview. I had my own personal questions um, about short selling, but like uh, EBIT Daddy, uh, who sometimes has some trolley comments and sometimes doesn't, popped into somebody. Um, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He was like, yeah, I would have enjoyed that conversation if George was allowed to talk. And um, like I, I actually just wrote him yesterday or maybe it's a her. I don't know. Um, but I was like, you know, I hope if you're still listening that you've noticed that uh, things changed since that comment because, uh, you know, I I have uh, I took that to heart and I think that this season has been a lot more about the guest uh, and a lot less about my own sort of 
questions uh, in a, in a particular episode. Um, and then on value after hours, I think like, I don't know. I, I never should have gotten uh, like recently involved. I, I was like, I spent too much time responding to um, comments during the show. And I think it, it took away from the show. And I think uh, I, I kind of forgot that it was an audio first product because the YouTube following has gotten kind of big. So that was, that's been a mistake. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I mean, it's, 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 it's been cool to see kind of the evolution of value after hours and it's it, <laughs> like from, from kind of this inception of just a few guys pitching stocks and maybe a couple, a couple people on, on, on YouTube listening. And now you guys have a, have a pretty decent following, which, you know, I guess probably prepared you pretty well for, for, for podcasting in some aspects, but um, you know, is there, is there, is there anything that you're doing now? Um, you know, you mentioned kind of listening a little bit more, um, one of the, one of the things I struggle with and I, and I, I'm, I'm trying really hard to fight this is the ability to just sit back and kind of listen to the person and not have a que- a question like in the bullpen and not trying to think of a question in the bullpen to ask when they stop talking. Um, it's almost like this unconscious behavior I have. And so, you know, if you, if you kind of struggle with that too, or maybe, maybe you've kind of overcome that, are, are there, are there any lessons there or, or kind of ways that I can improve, um, you know, kind of, kind of being present in that sense? I I think that that's the hardest thing about talking to people. Um, you know, like I, I think that where that comes from, at, at least for me is I feel a need to keep the conversation going. Uh, and I think I need to just be more comfortable with a little bit of dead air at the end of someone's answer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it, it, like, there's a lot of times that somebody will say something and it'll trigger a thought. And like, I'll ask a question. Usually I'll, I, I mean, I, I do this a lot. I also ramble too much when I, a- I ask questions, but I'm rambling now. So it's kind of a personality trait, but, um, you know, I, I, I kind of will say like, I have one thought and then this other thought, where do you want to take the conversation? Um, and it's usually cause I've been thinking about something while they're talking and then they say something else. And then I'm like, you know, so I don't know, I don't have a good answer for you, man, other than to try to stay present. Yeah, no, I, we should have been like, Hey man, like I read this one Twitter thread and said, these three <laughs> changed my whole life. Now it's changed my whole game. Now I'm gonna have that guy on the pod, <laughs> right? Um, speaking speaking to guests on the pod, I like I'm 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 going to avoid asking what your favorite episode was because I think that's not fair um, to any guest. However, well, it's Arnold Vandenberg's. Well, there you go. So, um, but if you had to pick one episode, you know, maybe maybe it's not Arnold's, but if you had to pick an episode where you went in with certain expectations, whether whether was about the person or whether it was about like the topics you were you were thinking um and and your mind was either like changed or kind of blown away by the lessons you've learned after talking to that person or kind of you know who you realized they were after that like is there one person in particular where you're like wow like i had the completely wrong expectation about this guy uh i don't know if i had that i think chris cerrone is a person that lived up to the hype in a big way um and that was an episode that i was like really nervous to do because um you know i mean it's acri right uh and i just and same with sanjay like sanjay air from wcm that guy's fucking awesome yeah uh and i didn't really know what to expect going into that um 
you know, I'm just kind of looking through the catalog. I mean, a, an episode that I didn't really know how it would turn out. And I'm really like, I thought it was one of the better ones is Kyler Hassan. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, it's just been super fun to talk to different people. Jay Minsmeyer. Like I, I was fascinated talking to that guy. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think is cool is you get to see like the way that different people, um, think about things. And, and, and if you like, I'm, when I say you, I mean, I, right. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, my goal is to try to get people out of pitch mode when I'm talking to them. Yeah. Cause I think it's like reflexive to just get into pitching your shit. Um, yep. and I think when people can relax and just talk, uh, there's all kinds of interesting stuff that, you know, people that are investors think about you, you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had, I've had, uh, I mean, luckily I've only had like a couple guests, I think on the podcast where you can, you can hear in their voice that it's almost like they're literally reading something off of a piece of paper that they have to make sure they get across like any time they do a public speaking event. And it's just, it's cringe. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's cringe. But, uh, have you, have you met Kyler in person? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I didn't know how I the episode would go. <laughs> I met I met Kyler for the first time at Value X Vale this year, um, yeah, and I didn't expect him to be freaking like the Hulk. Like, dude's a dude's a beast. Yeah, I haven't seen him recently, but uh, he did look he looked better than I did last time I saw him. I'm sure it hasn't changed. I mean, I've dunked on him twice on Twitter, and then I saw him in person. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he's so, dedicated to his craft. It's a good thing let's, to see. Uh, let's let's pitch him. Um, speaking of speaking of kind of how you prepare for these. Preston episodes. Pish, dude. Preston Pish was an episode. Just yeah. I'm just looking like Preston Pish is an episode that I I went through like a weird thing with Preston because I I listened to uh the investors podcast, you know, and he didn't like it. It just became this thing where he wouldn't stop talking about Bitcoin, and it turned me off. Right, and um. Even when we were leading up to the episode, I was like, look, man, you know, this is kind of my history with the with your show. Like, you know, and then I don't know. It was just cool to talk to him. Um, I still maintain he had a hell of a call. So what is so what is he what is he like uh, outside outside hitting record? Like because when I when I when I've seen his transition, right, like it's almost crazy to think that he used to be like this value Buffett, Buffett disciple guy. Um but I don't picture him as like this real vision, like crazy crypto bull either. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he, I, I think he would say that uh, he's looking forward to the day that he can buy stocks again. He just thinks they're overvalued, especially relative to Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I will tell you what he's like. Funny. He's very nice in person. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I watch him on Twitter and I think that he's quick to shut down people. But the other side of it is he's got so many followers, man. And like trolls are fucking annoying sometimes. And I think yeah. like when you come from value and then you go to Bitcoin, uh, I would imagine he got a lot of hate for a while. And that can make you, sh- you know, quick with the trigger finger. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and so uh, uh, one question I have that's that I'm always fascinated by is like prep work that goes into these episodes. Um, you know, there's sometimes I, I, I kind of cycle between doing a bunch of work and having this really, you know, elaborate outline um, with all, with all these footnotes and stuff. And then there's other times where whether it's time constrained, I'm just like, you know what, let's just hit record and kind of see where this goes. Um, how, how, how has that kind of evolved for you since you've started? 
Uh, I mean, I research a lot to get ready for these things. I usually have uh, some notes in, in Rome. That's where I take my notes. Um, and I don't often have an outline. I almost never have an outline going into it. But I like to have notes on what people have said and kind of like, you know, different papers they've written or whatever. Uh, just, just so that I can get through the conversation because I feel like um, it's important to know sort of their framework of the world in order to facilitate a conversation for an extended period of time. Right. In, in part because a lot of people aren't, I, I don't know, like I want to take the pressure off of them feeling like they need to have a conversation for a really long time. So I feel like it's my duty to, to be prepared, but I'll tell you what, man, it's fucked up my portfolio results or I have one of the two, but like the, um, you know, the, the amount of time that I've spent on the podcast versus the amount of time that I, part of the reason I don't talk about investing right now is like, I don't think I have takes that are worth listening to, uh, because I, I'm just not, uh, like almost all of my time is focused on the podcast, um, which may be a mistake. We'll see. Do you think, uh, you could maybe flip that and, and view it as a, as a, as a good thing in the sense of if you're spending so much time on the podcast, then it, it kind of gets you away from the, from the day-to-day -day volatility of these things. Um, like, you know, your portfolio where you step back and you, know, you might not check for a week or a couple of weeks and maybe that's a healthy thing, right? Yeah, I yeah, I do think that that's probably correct. Um I think I I I wrote a thread uh shit, what was it? I guess it was last week where I was like beating myself up for missing the commodity move. And what I'm really saying behind that thread is not that like I should have gone out and bought all these commodity stocks, although I did own a lot of those over the past five years, and I am pissed that I didn't put two and two together to make some money on this. But um, more than that, like I don't, I haven't been connected with current events enough to put together some pieces that I think I should have been able to put together, uh, and that I think has hurt my performance. Got it. Got it. Basically, you know, those, those are, those were pitches that were in your strike zone that you think you could have swung had you, had you been like, I guess, focused on the ball. Well, so, so something so that like something that my dumb brain did was like, I, I know from, cause I used to bank, uh, back in the day, uh, intrepid, I was not the banker, right. But I worked on it, uh, intrepid potash and I banked them when the Russian and Belarus cartel broke up. And I saw what happened to, to potash prices. I watched that company go from a $2 billion company to on death's door in 2016, trying to refi some debt. And like the idea that I missed the fact that Russia attacking Ukraine and the world cutting Russia off would create a potash spike, you know, like price spike, that fucking sucks, man. I mean, that's just like, that's, that's losing, that's, that's not... I don't know. That's like an unforgivable mistake to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could, I could, I could see that. Um, but I mean, again, it's, 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 it's kind of hard, right? Cause that situation is so, is so fluid, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no guess, doubt. No but doubt. I, but I guess where you're coming from is from is you're saying like, look, I had the capabilities to extract profits from this situation, like whether or not 
it was fluid or not, but I had the skill set where, um, you know, I could have had the ability to make a lot of money here. Maybe, maybe, or alternatively, like I, it's taken me this long to figure out what the current commodity situation is. And I'm not saying that I haven't figured out at all, but I realize what the problem is finally. And like, I'm like three weeks late on that, if not four. And, and that like, that pisses me off because I think there's a lot of risk that, um, I just didn't see because I wasn't focused. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I think this is one of those times that, uh, Maybe it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but uh, I, I will not forgive myself for for missing some of these things. And and you know, going forward, I'm glad that I have not. Uh, I'm glad that I've at least opened my mind to the bull thesis on commodities because I think it's allowed me to at least see what I think the problems are and what the actual hmm. risks on the floor are. Uh, I'm not right. going out and buying oil stocks or anything like that, but uh, I think that there's a lot of merit in what a lot of these people are saying. So as, then, as there always is with, uh, you know, investment pitches until they yeah. get taken too far. Right. So then, you know, kind of keeping that, that, that frame in mind, I know you're taking a little bit of a break before you start the next season of your podcast. Do you like, how do you then think about guests? Right. So is it something where, you know, Hey, like you think the commodity space is interesting. Maybe you line up a few, um, you know, maybe you line up a few commodities guests or commodities experts. Like how do you structure these interviews and kind of schedule this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's part of why I take it why I took a break. I will say I've, I've recorded two episodes this week and I'm sure I'm going to start dropping them because they're kind of current. I don't know. I don't know how long I'll be back recording. So bear with me. Um, the people that I recorded with today uh, are from the treasury. Well, they, they worked in the treasury and now they have a, uh, they call it JSG job security and growth fund. Uh, and I, you know, I, I asked them some questions about the tariffs and it, it was a little, or, or um, sanctions rather. Uh, it was a little current of any. I, I try not to do that very much because I want the podcast to be something that people can go back and listen to and still kind of like get stuff out of, you know? Right. right. Um, but I, I think that what I'm going to start to do with scheduling is I, I'm probably going to revisit uh, like guests that I've had. I'd like to have conversations with them over, you know, what's the last year, year and a half done to your thinking? Uh, is there anything that you do differently? You know, kind of those conversations and then weave in, uh, new, new guests that, um, you know, can highlight some of my blind spots, but I also don't, I don't want to like bail on growth. I, th I think if, I think if you become a podcast, in, in my opinion, if, if I become a podcast that's just chasing whatever is a hot trend, um, you know, that's, that's not going to be, uh, great. It may be good for ratings, but, um, I don't want to do that. I, I still want to interview the weed guys. I know no one wants to talk to them, but, uh, you know, so that'll probably be, how I'm going to go about it, but I I'm trying to book myself out like months now because I hate the pressure that not having a backlog uh, <laughs> creates. Dude, I live, I live without a backlog and uh, <laughs> for better or worse. I mean, it is what it is. Like I recorded, I recorded with uh, Frederick uh, Necker value to this afternoon at three o'clock and we finished at three or we finished at four 
45 and I'm going to turn around and that's going to be next week's or, you know, th- tomorrow's episode. And, uh, you know, sometimes life happens and I, and I, and I don't have a backlog, but I'm, I'm trying to like know life it these next couple of weeks to get like four or five episodes. Cause I really like, I mean, gosh, it'd be, it would be nice just to have like a month work of podcasts just done. Yeah. Just uh... do, do some long-term planning. I mean, it sounds cathartic. Well, it's tough, man, right? Because some of it, you want to have conversations that are relevant enough to today that people want to listen, but you but you also don't want to have conversations that like, I, I mean, dude, I know what it's like to not have a backlog and be like, fuck, what am I going to put out next week? And then how am I going to get the next week done? And who should I book? And, and I just want to be thoughtful about the guest list. And that requires to me having a backlog. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so we're, we're actually coming up on kind of the 30 minute mark here. So I'm going to ask you one more question before we go to Q and a, and, um, the question is basically around like, what do you, uh, want to improve on most this, this coming year, whether it's with the podcast, whether it's with investing, um, like what are, what are some things you're, you're, you're taking deliberate action on to improve, um, compared to like the last 12, 18 months? Uh, Man, I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna try to be patient with my portfolio so that it has a chance to uh, come out of this period of underperformance. And then if it doesn't come out of this period of underperformance, I'm going to enjoy a lot more time away from managing it uh, because I'm probably gonna do something like uh, Jason uh, Buck would recommend and do some sort of. Uh, you know, index with tail hedges or something like that. And then let some managers run some money for me. Uh, and as far as the pod goes, I don't know, man, I, you know, I guess, uh, there's, a, I made the mistake of looking at some comments yesterday and a couple of people said that the podcast was a little self-absorbed and they wanted the old me. Uh, I would say that calling me self-absorbed is probably a fair criticism, but I'm not sure that the, uh, that the podcast is self-absorbed anymore. So I'm just going to really try to to lean into making sure that the guests feel like they have been hosted properly and that they get the conversation that they deserve. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to not let too many people say bullshit on the show uh, without me pushing back. I, I guess, I guess if, uh, if I could, if I could come so Dave Gerard, right? I interviewed him and I, I really like that interview. I'm proud of that interview, but somebody had commented. They're like, you know, he didn't bring up some of the bear cases. I don't know that that's really like what I'm trying to accomplish, but I do think that, um, I might've done Dave a little bit of a disservice to not at least ask him one or two of the bear questions, um, on the, on the end of the show. Right. Like, cause I, I'm sure he's got answers for him. Uh, so maybe maybe trying to get uh, a confrontational question or two in there uh, might make some sense to enable people to explain themselves. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. That's 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 something that I'm also working on is the ability to push back, um, even even if I agree, just 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 so that you know somebody else that's listening might might gain a nugget of a nugget of wisdom that had I not asked that question, um, you know they 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 wouldn't have been able to get. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's awesome. So um, I say we open it up for, for, for Q and a here. So if anyone wants to start filling, filling the queue, looks like we've got 
um, at we live to serve. Oh, what's up, man? With 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 a question requested to speak, so I'm gonna add you as a speaker, um, and then we can you know kind of just kind of cycle through these. So uh, you are good to go. Um, we live to serve. Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? How's it going, Bill? So really my question is on the investment side like um when do you think to yourself it's time to reevaluate my macro uh, opinion hello hello hey bill can you bill, yeah. can you hear me yeah i can hear you i can't hear right, him cool. he's uh here he's through the twitterverse sorry can you hear me now yeah yeah uh, um so yeah really i was just wondering about your investing like when do you how do you decide when it's time to reconsider your macro of the Fed, but in terms of like the economic scenario, like switching from growth to commodities or commodities to value, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I mean, me personally, I don't I don't think style drift has ever treated anybody very well. Um, I, I again, I go back to the commodity thing like. I said it on value after hours. I probably fucking bottom tick the market because everything's a matter of, of what the prices are. And, you know, it's, it's never the first order thoughts outside of COVID really that get you paid. Um, but, uh, I'm more concerned about macro than I've ever been. Uh, and I, and I just, you know, there's just something that I find, um, emotionally hard about knowing that f the food crisis is just going to like be really, really hard on poor countries that have to import goods. And it's going to be really, really tough on the people on the margin in, Amer in America, I think. Uh, and I'm worried already about uh, political risk and geopolitical risk. And I, I just kind of it feels like for the first time in a long time, the heat map is red. Um, but you know, I'm not like selling my cable stocks for it. Uh, but uh, I'm worried about it. It's so I guess, I guess what I would say is I'm not running in to allocate more to equities here. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Which is probably a mistake, by the way, you should probably buy like so, the shittiest stuff out there and you're probably this outperform. This is the thing. I, I happen to agree with you about a lot of stuff and it, it's made me think I should, you know, is it style drift if it's a fairly rational, cautious response to like the wheels kind of coming off the cart? Well, in retrospect, it's always easy to tell. But but, you know, I, I've said for a long time that I, I didn't know if it was the time to be like in value stocks. I, I would lean towards I mean, if I was going to drift, I would lean towards like junky value, European small um, stuff like that. I mean, there's there's some stuff in tech like there certain stocks have just gotten waxed. I bought Baba after I added you. I, I, I bought it. <laughs> well, I did. It. I wish you good luck. Better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you know, like, um, I mean, pull it, that lots of charts thing that I shared. I, I, I wish that I had shared the the Russell, but I would encourage people to pull up the Russell and look at what has happened in small cap land. It's just bombed so, out. I, I looked at that. I have to wonder, do you know off the top of your head if the definitions in terms of uh, market caps for small cap, micro cap have been updated? 
Because otherwise, things just inflate into it, right? So what was micro cap before is small cap now. Like if it hasn't, if the if the market cap threshold hasn't been updated in thirty years, it's 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 a different universe of stocks. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. I don't know. I mean, with like trillion dollar companies now, I guess, I guess small cap could be a billion dollar company, in theory. Yeah, well, I think that's why. Um... I, well, I don't think that's why, but I think an interesting comment that I have heard from a lot of managers that I perceive to be very intelligent um, is that they've had better success in like the one to ten billion dollar range than below a billion because I think that uh, a billion is still probably a fairly small company in today's world, but it's got a lot more like systems in place. It's like more of an actual company, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, thanks so much for the question. And if anybody has um, another question, you know, definitely put yourself in the queue. Um, you, 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 you mentioned one thing. Um, we live to serve. Just, just kind of, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of comment while, while people ask questions. But um, I think style drift is obviously a function of the box you put yourself into. And so, um, you know, I'm always, I'm always cautious of people putting themselves preemptively into certain boxes, especially if you're just like a retail investor or just somebody that's serious about the game. Um, like there's no reason to say like, Oh, I'm just a value investor and, and I'm going to, I'm going to invest in these businesses. And even if uh, commodities become interesting, you know, I'm not going to touch them or, you know, growth, vice versa. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think, a you know, at least something that works for me is just kind of prescribing to the idea of like, my job is to make money and, you know, my job is also to not lose money. And so um, having, having that as kind of the global mandate, you, 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 you basically uh, insulate yourself from any sort of style drift because you're allowing yourself to go wherever you want, um, which is equally freeing. And it's also challenging. It comes with its risks, but that's just kind of my um, soapbox on, 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 on style drift and, and, uh, and kind of putting yourself in a style. Um, looks like compound 248 has a question. So compound, I'm adding you as a speaker. You can go ahead, uh, whenever you're free. Were you talking to me? Yep. Uh, yep. You I go got ahead stuck in the delay there for a second. Hey King, how are you? What's up King? Oh. How are you? Um, <laughs> curious as you're kind of reflecting back on the last year, you you kind of gave some lessons on the podcast. I'm I'm curious how you would think about your your core lessons on investing. Um, like kind of look at the portfolio, how it's changed. Like what what do you think is like your one key learning from the past year? I don't know. Maybe price matters. <laughs> Inning six. <laughs> yeah. <It's> blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know, man. I mean, look, I still don't think... Don't you think that's a lesson still, you already had? Yeah, I do. I do. I was I was kind of kidding when I said that. I, I actually think that the lesson that I'm taking is um, that, you know, there. I, I think the, the market is, is rational most of the time. So we can sort of debate, like, when the bubble started and when it popped and that stuff. But I I tend to think that out of the names that ran to where they ran, you're going to be able to look back one day and say, that actually did make some sense. 
so where I probably used to, uh, I would have dismissed, you know, oh, Shopify was just a bubble, mm. right? Now I'm forced to ask myself, okay, I respect the guys at WCM a lot. We talked about how they held it, right? I, I asked Sanjay that question, like, how do you hold it here? Uh, if it is true that I continue to respect them, which it is true, and it is true that the stock has come off 50%, it probably should also be true that I should keep my mind open. Um, and, and that's kind of, I, I think that's what I've, I've actually learned, uh, is that businesses with truly long runways and, you know, good Roik really are worth paying up for. Uh, and maybe that sounds silly, but, uh, I suspect there's a lot of value in the carnage. Well, so now and I think a younger me would have dismissed all of it as nonsense anyway. So now you're in a moment where all those businesses are, you know, 70% off. And yeah, the fucking problem is I don't know which ones to buy. Well, so I'm actually contemplating buying an ETF or something mm. of those. That's an interesting idea. Go Kathy. No, I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> awesome. I'm it's not been, a Kathy hater. Uh, I, do, I don't love that she thinks her forward returns are 60% per year now, probably. But um, they just keep there, there's up. some way to, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of forward returns, man. Absolutely. Everybody loves their own portfolio. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think that's how I've changed. That's awesome. Um, I appreciate all the sharing and learning in public that you do. And, uh, you too, Brandon, but um, really, really thankful that you keep putting your work out there. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, I have enjoyed getting to know you very much. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope people forgive the stupidity. I know you all do. So thank you. <laughs> There's nothing to forgive. I'll go on. There's plenty. You know, what's right. interesting about that curate Zoom bet is like they both have just been decimated. And like, I'm pretty sure Curate's still winning, but I don't even want to acknowledge it. It's like two horses that got shot that are both like bleeding to death trying to get to the finish line first. <laughs> yeah, I, you I, know, I, the... I was going to make a joke that it's like two octogenarians having a uh, like a foot race, you know, it's like uh, who's going to make it across the line. But I'll tell you the difference. The difference is I paid for a horse that was shot. Right. And like he paid for a thoroughbred that was supposed to be in racing condition. So, you know, we'll see how it all turns out. So one question I got, I, I, I have for you, Bill. And, uh, you know, again, I'm the, the reason I'm kind of asking this is, is, is also to give time for people that have questions to kind of fill up the queue. So again, if you've got a question, please drop, drop a line in the queue. But, um, like, let's say you had full autonomy to, to dive into an industry or a business in particular, and just kind of, learn as much as you could about the business. Um, like what, what company or industry would you want to learn the most about? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm so like, uh, I love Twitter so much. And then part of me like hates it that I'm always like fucking taken back to media because I think it's such a bloodbath. Um, I, I, the company, so I'm, I've sort of, uh, what's the right word, but I haven't partnered with stream, but they've approved me as one of their analysts to, uh, to interview people. And I'm doing a lot of work on Viacom. Uh, I think I have like three interviews coming up next week, uh, with P 
people that are from Viacom. I, I think that's, I think that's interesting. And, and what it really runs back to is this Roku thing that I've been working on for months now, uh, just kind of noodling in my head, uh, and writing some things. So that's, that's probably, uh, that's probably the business that I'm most interested in right now. Um, but I think the most inefficient market out there that's publicly traded is definitely weed. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I, I think that's probably where I should be paying attention, and I enjoy consuming it quite a bit. So I know a little something about it. But the more I've thought about that industry, the harder and harder I think that industry is to bet on. And the reason that I say it is like I just can't figure out where the value ultimately accrues because I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons that local zoning should not allow pot shops on every corner. And there are cities that have pot shops on every corner. Uh, and, and within the, within the branded products, I think they're all mostly labels and not brands with the exception probably being cookies. And, and I have seen Verano flower a lot of places. Uh, like I, I just recently bought an eighth from this place called move and the premium flower was by Verano. Uh, so it's possible that, that some of these brands start to get, uh, you know, they, they actually have branded flower. The problem is like, I don't really care if I'm smoking Verano flower or some other flower. Um, edibles. I think there could be some real chance for branding because the consistency in edibles is pretty shitty from what I've experienced. So if, if somebody could deliver a consistent experience, I think that would help. Well, yeah, so that's, so that's my whole thing there. Um, cause I'm super interested in the space as well. I've, you know, I've had, I did a I did a spaces with Ben Kovler of uh, Green Thumb, who's a who's a pretty interesting dude. I and, heard his uh, family is ex. Uh, didn't they come out of um, Prohibition? Yes, yes, yeah. So his, yeah, so he's got he's got family ties to uh, the Prohibition movement. Um, so I mean, he's you know I guess I guess at an ancestral level, he kind of understands understands what's going on. But um, like I'm, I'm I'm trying to understand and apply a mental model to you know this this business and i keep coming back to brands and one of the things is you know you brought it up is this idea of consistency where cannabis might have that benefit where um people that consume it like you know it 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 it, it alters certain things whether it's personality or whether you know it's kind of like your state of your your state of mind alters it you know in most cases to the to the positive right like you feel relaxed you feel great um and so the benefit of that for, um, you know, the benefit of that for uh, brands potentially is if I'm a consumer and I know that this one particular brand makes me feel a certain way and it's like, okay, like I know it, it's consistency. I know I'm going to feel this exact high. Like I don't have that strong of a desire then at that point to switch, but like maybe I'm wrong there on some, on some level. Do you actually smoke or do you read about smoking? No, I don't smoke, read about it. Total noob. So the the problem be, the problem with it, man, is if you don't switch up crop, sometimes you build up like a tolerance to it. Right, right. 
But I, I don't I don't disagree with you uh, necessarily. I just kind of wonder if there's a way that a that a brand can deliver a consistent experience with different strains, and I don't think that's actually like possible. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But you know, there's there's money going into it. Uh, but I I think that's the only uh, I think that's the only like I think I have like four eighths in my house right now because I just like to rotate it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it makes sense. That's a good point. Maybe maybe like the the the, the way to play this. You know, obviously, you know, not invest in advice at all, but just just take a basket approach, right? Like just buy like you know all the all these like four or five you know great weed companies and you'll probably do okay yeah i'll tell you what pisses me off when you get talking about this stuff is people citing ebitda and it's like yeah well you got what 280e and then you've got super high interest burdens so i understand the bull thesis is like oh but those will all go away and it's like okay but at the same time they're they're not right now and there's fairly decent reason for states to try to uh, extract as much tax uh, from these companies as possible. But I do think that in an end state, it makes sense to have healthy companies that can create jobs. And it is a massive job creator. And I do strongly, strongly believe that weed is better for society than alcohol. So, and certainly than opioids. So I, I do, uh, I, I have a high degree of confidence that the confidence that the end state is an end market that is way, way bigger than it currently is. I just need to figure out the answer to how to play it. Right. Well, if you if you've got any questions, let me know because I'm I'm interviewing Aaron Edelheit, um, diving into his cannabis fund in uh, early April. So hopefully, I can just kind of pick his brain about all this crap. Are you going to drop it on 420? Ooh, didn't even think about that. But have to obviously, man. <laughs> obviously now I have to. <laughs> have to. That's genius. That's why, that's why they pay you the big bucks, Bill. You, I, I would have, I would have just recorded it and been like, okay, what's the soonest I can get this out next week? Okay, good. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, you got to do that one on 420. It's funny. He'll have a. He was my 420 episode last year. It'll be his second 420 episode in a row. That's terrific. All right, we've got Wolf of M Street that wants to ask a question. So, adding adding them as a speaker, um, Wolf, you can go ahead uh, whenever you're ready. Oh, sorry. Can you guys hear me? Okay, mm -hmm. great. Uh, first of all, just a uh, quick comment because there was a mention of the Curate uh, bet, I guess. I just kind of ran the numbers real quick. Curate's still pretty far ahead on that bet. I have Curate down around 20% uh, on, a, on a total it's, return. It's not that bad in this tape, actually. Yeah, to total return basis, obviously. <laughs> We're talking with special dividends. Yeah. Um, Zoom is down close to 70% over that same time frame, so... Still a pretty big lead for Curate. Um, quick question. I do own some leaps in my in my retirement account that I treat like a account I hate. Yeah, you know, same here. Uh, when they when Curate made the announcement uh, a few weeks ago, I guess maybe over a month ago now, about uh, uh, disintegration of demand or whatever that phrase was. Yeah, that wasn't great. I, yeah, I thought flipping the leaps was probably a good way to do it as well. Um, Quick comment, I guess I would just say in terms of, you know, as, as we try to think of future podcast guests, I think the people who help us sort of think, um, Denise Schull comes to mind as a recent one. Adam Robinson was another really good one. I don't even know what you call these people, but people who are not talking about a particular business or stock, just more, um, yeah. you know, kind of how the mind works. I, 
I've found to be super helpful in case you're running, running out of ideas. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. Sure. No problem. I will. Uh, now or, yeah. You know, that's, I, it's, I, I don't think that's why macro is so interesting, but I think it's, I do think it rhymes with why like macro is so fun to listen to because it's, uh, it's a lot of like big thoughts. Below, who does your hosting for your pod? Uh, Anchor. Do you uh, do you use their advertising? Uh, it's I know it's not Anchor's, but whatever the advertising project a product that Spotify. No, I haven't. Uh, uses. Um, yeah, I just I just go direct. Why? Why? Because I think it's a function of two things: a size, like it's not to the point where. You know, I have like tons of sponsors knocking down my door Um, and B, it's also a function of I want to support like specific companies and companies that I find a lot of value in and things that I use every day. And so um, the ticker, you know, like every every sponsor on the show, like I legitimately use every single day. And um, have I, you know, if I were to turn that over to Spotify that wouldn't be the case. And so I just kind of want to stay true to the audience and just say like, look, like I'm like, I wouldn't tell you guys and I wouldn't have a company sponsor the podcast have, you know, had I not used this every day and actually been like a testament to its value. Yeah. I, uh, I mostly agree with that. This next sponsor uh, actually is like a small investment bank. But I asked the guy, I was like, look, if I'm going to take you as a sponsor, like I got to I got to do due diligence. He set up calls for me to do. And part of me was like, if you're going to let me do due diligence on you, that should probably be enough. But I did do calls and uh, people vouch for him. So he's he's been a supporter since day one. I'm not going to say no. Um, so did they I, so, I, so did they reach out to you or how did how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. He listens to the show. The principal. So, uh and he was quick, man. He was like, any way that I can help you, let me know. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't like know what to think at first, but we've, uh, we've talked for a while and I'm comfortable with it, but I tend to agree with you. I'd also add that the, the CPMs, I, I think through the Spotify product kind of suck, but the upside that I've heard is you can monetize your back catalog a lot better. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes sense for sure. Um, but I've, I've had like sleep well ask me a bunch about like the podcast stuff that I do. Cause you know, he's really big on, he's really big on Spotify. And I was like, yeah, man, like I don't use Spotify's, <laughs> I don't use Spotify's <laughs> ad service at all. I see. Yeah. I don't either right now. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. damn. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's how I feel about it too, but I'm open to being wrong. But e- even like, um, even Rogan, uh, when, I listen to him less than I used to, but when I used to listen, uh, even their dynamic ad insertion on that show felt choppy. So I'm like, man, if, oh, if they chop it up there, like they're going to ruin mine. Yeah. I mean, and Rogan's got like a four hour show. And so like you can kind of absorb the chop a little better. I mean, you know, in a, in a, in a two hour show that that can get pretty annoying. Um, Not to mention, dude, you know, he's saying like, put it here or whatever, right? They're working together. For oh, our course. like my show, they don't give a shit. They'll just like throw it in. Yeah, they're like, "Who are you?" Yeah. 
so why do you why do you listen to Rogan less? Is it just a function of time, or is it kind of um, because like I'm I, I I try to listen to as many different interviewers as possible to kind of hone my skills. Um, yeah, over time. I, I I mean I think Rogan's very good at what he does, and I think he's like I think I think any comedian has an element of intelligence, uh, and but I I just don't know that putting Rogan in my brain is gonna further where I want my life to go on average that said, like I I'm still listening to him talk to Mr. Beast. That was a, that was a very interesting episode to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I love his, love his style and it's something, something you mentioned earlier, like being comfortable with, with that dead air where he'll go like seconds, which I know sound like, you know, just like snap of a finger. But when you're recording a podcast and there's like, a second and a half, two seconds of silence. It's like, there's this panic that sets in. You're like, oh my gosh, like the train's derailed. We're about to go off. Yeah, for everybody too. I think the guests probably feel it too. Yep. All right, so if anybody has any other questions, um, yeah, I could probably want to keep this to like an hour or so. So we've got probably five minutes. Um, Jake Taylor's just been lurking, listening. Oh, what's up, Jake? Jake's Same episode was quite good. I was very nervous for that episode because, you know, people like to think that we have beef or something since we're diametrically opposed on value after hours, but not so. <laughs> so who would, who would, who would win in a head to head fight in a ring? 10 rounds. Would Jake and me? Yeah. I would probably, you're telling me that I have to go 10 rounds. I could take my strategy against Jake is to take him out in the first like minute and a half. And his strategy, if he's as smart as I think he is, is to just dodge me for a minute and a half and then just beat the shit out of me once I'm dead tired. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he is requested to speak. This is shocking. <laughs> Jake, go ahead, man. Jake, you there? Yeah, could you guys hear me? <laughs> Now we can. Oh boy! Yeah, this has really gone off the rails. So, what do you think? What do you think of our duel? Oh, uh, I think we're different weight classes, but uh... <laughs> oh, that's hurtful, Damn. sir. I've been it's losing weight. Me. I'm coming down. Oh, uh, uh, right. I'm in the featherweight division. It's not you. No, I am definitely not a featherweight. What have you learned from podcasting? Ah, we might have connection issues. He's learned nothing. <laughs> silence. Yeah. <Dead> silence. <laughs> well, sorry, Jake, I, I broke back. up. Oh, yep, go ahead. What, sorry, Bill, what'd you say? I said, what have you learned from podcasting? Like doing value after hours. I know you had five good questions too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've just been shocked at the, to find out who listens to the show when I thought it was just like kind of the three of us just hanging out and bullshitting for fun. And then to hear that, like, you know, somebody in a, a legit shop actually listens to us uh, just still boggles my mind every time I hear about it. Uh, so to me, that's like, <laughs> it's kind of actually makes me a little nervous sometimes because it's like what are you listening to us for like you i figure you would probably know better than us so but i don't know I, I find it to be so much fun i mean i love both of you guys so much that uh 
I, I like the idea that I tell my wife that I'm working on Tuesday mornings, but <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be further from the feeling of work. So it's, it's great. Well, you put a lot into the episodes though. Well, you know, I do that is because I'm worried about being found out, being found out as a phony. Uh, so I got to mm. have to put in the prep work that way. I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I seem smarter if I have something prepared always. I like it. I've yeah. just embraced being found out as a phony. <laughs> Which actually doesn't make me a phony. Mm. Second order thinking. Wow. Galaxy brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope this is entertaining for some people. Everyone. I don't know how many, how many showed up, but thank you. I hope everybody enjoys your March Madness. Yeah. Yeah, Bill. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, I'll spin this off as a podcast. So for anybody that couldn't get to it, um, they'll be able, they'll be able to listen in the, in the coming weeks, but, uh, Hey, I fish, I officially have a backlog now. I've got tomorrow's episode taken care of. So it's a beautiful feeling. Well, good, good deal, man. I like what you do. I like how you do it. And I think you're very good at it. So, uh, you know, uh, I encourage you to continue and how old are you? Uh, 26. Yeah, dude, you're going to be just fine it's funny you bring that up because like there's kids like uh uh Srivant. I'm, I'm gonna get his name wrong Srivant's, but he's like uh you know this like 18 year old kid that graduated high school that has like freaking interviewed a bunch of people he's got a market champions podcast dude's a, dude's an incredible grinder and he's 18 and yeah. so like i mean it's 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 awesome it's encouraging and it's um you know it's 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 competitive in the most healthy sense where it's like man like everybody's getting after it and it's, and it's, and it's fun to get after it with everybody else. Yeah. The problem for me is I can't keep up with you guys and I got three kids. So, well, that's uh, the thing, right? Like you've got three kids. I've got, you know, a fiance and a dog. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit different. How old's your dog? He just turned a year old. There you go. So you got like a full grown puppy. Yeah, dude. Full grown uh, Husky lab mix. Oh, that's dope. Is yeah, he cool. moderately well behaved? Yeah, he's actually he's actually pretty solid. I mean, we're getting we're getting him trained right now. Um, you send him like, away? Oh, no, no, no. We have we we have a guy come to the house, and you know, once a week he'll he'll do an hour session, and um, it's been it's been good, man. Like he's he's a good dog. He doesn't bark in the house, doesn't really do anything too annoying. He's just got that puppy energy. But uh, yeah, man, good dog. I'll actually post a picture of him on Twitter because my fiance took some pretty dope pictures. Um, he's just a good looking dude. That's what's up. I got a, uh, she's now 14 weeks, I think, uh, golden. And, uh, okay. it's been fun, man. But yeah, I see, I see, I've run into two guys the past two days that have had male labs that are about a year. And, uh, I think that neither one of them was below 75 pounds and those dogs are just straight up walking oh, yeah. their masters. Like the, the guys are just <laughs> holding a leash and the dog is just doing whatever the fuck the dog wants to do. Yep. And, uh, you know, I grew up with a yellow lab that was like that and they are powerful dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, so my dog, uh, the mom was like this dense, thick female lab, like just wide bodied Jerome Bettis looking thing. And, um, the dad was like this lean Husky. So he's got, he's got kind of a mix, but, uh, 
Actually, my boy David Polanski, who just dropped in, he's got a, I think it's like a freaking Chihuahua or some like handheld dog that he just got. Um, that thing terrorizes, man. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter what size the dog you have. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. The wifey wants one of those maybe someday. For now, we're going with big dogs. Yeah, I respect that. But we'll see. I mean, I don't know. My fiance already wants a second dog, but uh, I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. Well, uh, I w- I would keep your life as simple as possible until you have kids, man. Yeah. Yep. Trying that's, to do that. That's my old man advice for you. <laughs> old man advice. I, yeah. I I appreciate that. I think I, so. It looks like we got one more guy. We live to serve. He's got one more question, and I think we'll end it after that. Um, so go ahead, man. I'm here to talk about the dogs. Yes, How's sir. How's the puppy doing? She's fantastic, man. I I said last time, thank you for the books, and I mean it. Uh, we live to serve. Sent me two books. Uh, what were they called? They're, they're about the monks. How to be, the monks of Newskeet, how to be your dog's best friend and the art of raising a puppy. Yeah. And like, I didn't realize how important it was to try to think like the dog or at least empathize with what your dog is thinking. And, uh, between that, uh, between that and the crating, she's doing really well. Really well. Yeah, I've had I'm shocked. Huge success with it. And I, I DM'd it too, but I think it's more important to train for a dog that's a good party or family, party or pack than necessarily strict obedience. Although you've got to yeah. be able to keep them safe and they can't be aggressive. Um Yeah. But yeah, there's not much better in life than a good dog. I have three kids as well. So and I would echo your old man advice that uh, you know, keep your limitations minimum because then, you know do all the stuff you want to do for us. So when you do have kids, you can be lame and stay home and read monk books about dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like keep your life uncomplicated and uh, have a lot of young sex. That would be my advice. As Buffett says, you don't want to, you don't want to save the uh, fornication for your old age. Yeah. That's some real Buffett. wisdom right there. The buff dog's got a ton of them, man. Buff dog gets around. Well, I don't want to go that far, but <laughs> yeah, he yeah. definitely has some. Uh, <laughs> he has some jokes. I kind of wonder if if you rewound some of the jokes that he was telling in the eighties and nineties, whether or not people would try to cancel him today. Now he's just kind of a lovable grandpa, so he can say whatever he wants. It'd be funny if uh, um, uh, Buffett and Munger just switched filters for a day, right? Because yeah, Munger doesn't say much, but when he does, it's like on fire. Warren's kind of the opposite. It'd be cool to hear Warren just like come off the leash one day. You know what I'd like to to hear? I, I would love to hear Charlie be honest about whether or not he was worried at all about this Baba ADR situation. Uh, and, and like, you know, I'm sure he'd just be like, I didn't feel it. But I don't know. It got I, pretty hairy there for a bit. Yeah. I don't but, know how much you feel at his age, though, like in general. That's fair, and it really isn't that big of a bet. Even then, there's the risk you can't diversify away from, right? So you can plan on all sorts of stuff, but once you start saying like an entire, like enormous world marketplace is going to be gone, 
like you're almost just as well staying in it because in that other scenario it's pain everywhere you know it's kind of yeah well it's it's not that the marketplace would go it would be that the security would go away but yeah i i i, I uh i agree with you i think if you're gonna take that risk you take that risk and also, like I said, I bought Baba right after I tweeted that Darth Vader thing to you. <laughs> so you pretty much bottom ticked it, huh? Kinda. It like eighty-seven. I didn't overnight bottom tick it, but I nine forty-one a.m. to bottom ticked it. There you go. And then That's felt it. like a hero for the rest of the day, like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to enjoy the small wins, man. There's so few of them. There's so few of them. So. But yeah, talk dogs. Nothing better in life than dogs. I think that's right. Uh, I was really nervous about getting them. I was nervous about introducing that dynamic with the kids, but uh, it turned out to be the right thing. I think they're great with kids. I think they have an intuitive ability to figure out what like each kid wants or needs from them the most, and they just like they're like a good waiter. They just know how to read the read the table, you know. Yeah. Is your puppy good with your kids? She is. Uh, you know, I think that uh, if, if she bites, you know, because she's a, a puppy. And I, my four-year-old doesn't understand that if he pulls on her tail, he's going to get bit. Um, but, you know, we're working on that. We're all working on that. Uh, yeah. So the, the teeth thing can't. I don't know if this is directly out of the books, but at least for me personally, the teeth thing is just never, never allowed. Yeah. To the point where it's actually the only time I, I, I would physically discipline a dog. I don't know if I'll get canceled for that, you know, but the teeth thing is big. Have you been doing the like holder from behind and controller and put your hands in her mouth and ears and just like train her to not put her teeth on you? Yeah, I'm trying to do that. That one's big because, like, the getting used to physical contact is a big one for them. And yeah. you want early, and the same thing with giving them some baths and whatnot. But that, like, physically manipulating them is actually it, it's pretty important. Like, it gets them a lot more calmer around humans, and it really sets because sort of like you know, people, you talk about meditation. It's one thing if you're in Bali for a week drinking, you know, nothing but organic coconut water and looking at the sunset when you really got to be able to meditate is when there's other stuff going on or be calm. Same thing with the dog, like all the like um, sort of like treat and verbal command training in the world won't get them past that, like need to understand that they can be like physically handled in a, in a calm way, you know? Yeah. Because eventually your dog will get hurt and you'll need to be able for her to relax when you, you know, hold her and, you know, take the thorn out or whatever out or whatever it is. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been making sure that like I uh, it sounds weird, but it's the truth. Just like touch her everywhere, you know, like in her paws and stuff like yeah. that. So she's used to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you doing the go potty thing? Yeah. I think it works like a charm and it's funny. It always cracks people up when they hear it. But then when friends like come over the house and I'm like go potty and she immediately takes a crap, they're like, wow, damn, that's, that's a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Awesome. Well, are you going to do anything to get on the commodities trade or is it just like too late? You missed it. Uh, I don't know. 
That is to be determined, my friend. I wrestle with that all the time because you see stuff and you're like, ah, I missed it. And then it goes on and on and on. And you realize if you just kind of pulled the trigger a little late, then you wouldn't have had to have watched it run out. It's just tough because I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I liked Cameco when it was at like nine in 2019. Now it's at 27. I liked Intrepid Potash at eight in December of 2020. Now it's at 82. Yeah. Uh, So it's hard for me to look at some of these things. Uh, I I mean, Cleveland Cliffs I've, I've liked in the past. So it's just, they're just so much higher than when I was looking at them, but it's, it's, uh, but look, if it's like lumber, which I do know something about, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, theoretically, you know, why doesn't the Southeast just expand capacity? And the answer is they can't get the labor. And even if you ordered equipment, you can't get it delivered for like one and a half to two years. Yeah. Pulling to the left takes time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not just so easy as your spreadsheet, you know, says that they can do it. So I think a lot of these prices are probably justified. You know, it's a interesting byproduct of uh, being a crypto holder, not to like open up the can of worms. But that you the, get immune to volatility. Uh, you don't. Um, but if you or and it's probably not unique to crypto. Maybe it's unique to have caught in just one wave well and somewhat early is that you wind up sitting on so many capital gains that you don't want to you know, trigger for no reason. That at least for me personally, I can I feel like I can take a little bit more risk on in my like personal account and my taxable account, because at the end of the day, if I end up getting a loss, it just allows me to, you know, I'll just take a gain to offset that loss and I can do that for a while, you know, so it kind of moves some of the asymmetry of like the, you know, the tax, uh, the, the, the downside of the loss, because you'll, you, you'll be able to take out the offsetting gain without paying capital gains tax on that gain. Now you still lost the money, but it softens it by whatever your marginal rate is. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting behavioral issue that, uh, it brings up. I'm, I'm definitely the man with the hammer with that stuff. I did all sorts of like basis swapping madness all towards the second half of last year, getting ready for the tax changes. Um, and it just it makes you think a lot about like your big picture, like smoothing out. And actually, I don't know if he's on here, but um, if you don't follow him, Mitchell Baldridge from Texas uh, is incredible tax and crypto resource and just resource in general for small business. Um But once you start to get into that, you really start to manage your taxable gains year to year. And then you start thinking about how do you spread things out in time? Yeah. How much can you push it off to just like control your lifetime marginal tax rate, which is definitely a concept I got from him. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that I had a law professor that said he did tax and he said never make economic decisions for tax uh, reasons. Right. Uh, But tax arrangement syndrome is very real and taxes are also very real. Um, And, you know, it's uh, I think I I do it with the Microsoft position that I have. The the basis that I have in Microsoft uh, because it was gifted to me was a dollar thirty. So. Uh, because yeah. it was gifted to you, did it did it step up in basis when you got it? No, no, because it was just a gift. Uh, so I have the basis. Oh, a gift without the benefit of uh, of death. Yeah, so it's like 
I'm not, I'm not, you know, given where that business is situated and what the current valuation is, I, I don't yeah, have any desire to trade out of it. Exactly. So same thing at any given time, you can essentially neutralize any losses by redeeming some amount of that. Right. Yeah. In theory. Uh, but for now I'm going to keep owning Microsoft, which even if I underperform, I can sleep at night with, can sleep at night with. So I, I started buying uh, NASDAQ and Vail um, early this year, uh, like end of March when people are end of January, when, when the Ukraine thing was just starting to kind of get some attention. Um, and I think it feels like NASDAQ is finally turning around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I may have bottom ticked everything with my value after hours uh, segment on how worried I was. So everybody's welcome for that but yeah i don't know i mean dude these stocks some of these stocks are just decimated and especially if you think about the revenue growth i mean they're they're down you know 70 percent on them now it's price to sales right so we can debate margin structures i do think it's somewhat funny how you know at the top everybody assumes 30 percent margins and whatever and now when the stocks probably don't have much risk in them everybody's like well how can you trust the terminal margin structure it's like i don't know man should have been asking this question at 400, not 100. Right. Yeah. The, the carnage under the index is way, way worse than the index. Oh, definitely. I mean, they, I think that's almost a meme at this point. Like the generals haven't been shot yet or the captains, whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I would go back to the Matterin on that, which is like – the ability to survive in a correction of cash flows will come down to some analysis of your fixed and um, variable costs. And I don't think that's industry by industry. I think that's company by company. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, my, my, my wife and kids are home and I wanted to jump on and talk dogs, but uh, thanks again for having me. I'll see you guys later. All right, man. Have a good one. Bye. All right, so I think we're going to end it there um, and uh, wrap it up. And I know, hope hope we do this again sometime soon. But um, for people, oh that are shit, man, hang on real quick. You yeah, know, yeah. one thing that I've been thinking about, and this may sound really stupid to most of the people in this room, but you know that the the conversation that people say, like, well, when things sell off, everything goes to one. Yeah, correlations go to one. Yeah, like, like uh, yeah, I I think. Like the reason, and I'd, I've just never heard anybody say this before, but maybe that's because I don't listen when people say it, is like the, your opportunity cost goes up. So it would be natural that like in a correction, correlation should go to one, right? Because everything is getting cheaper. The way that, that, the way that things work, like, you know, now all of a sudden my SaaS company I could flip into an industrial for like a 10% free cash flow yield. So like, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, it, it's always, it's always that way at the, at the top too, but I just kind of, uh, I wonder what the correlation on the upside is. I bet it's, right. I bet it's pretty high. No, I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment for sure. Yeah. There should be a way to put data rather than feeling, uh, maybe I'll work on that. All right. Yeah. Anyway, I got nothing else. Awesome, man. Well, this is this has been super fun. Um, I hope I hope people have kind of learned a little bit about your evolution as a podcaster, uh, what to look forward to 
and uh, just kind of how you're thinking about the year ahead in terms of, um, you know, what to improve, what you're looking at, stuff like that. So if anybody didn't have a chance to ask any questions, um, you can always DM, you know, Bill or myself, and maybe we'll do another one of these, um, you know, in a few months or so. So thanks again for everybody who hopped on and uh, look forward to doing another one of these again. Uh, See you guys. This episode is brought to you by Ticker. Ticker Ticker.com is focused on bringing institutional-level investment research to you, the individual investor. Ticker.com is powered by S&P Global Capital IQ and has coverage of over 50,000 stocks globally with financial data, estimates, valuation metrics, ownership percentages, transcript filings, news, and more. ValueHive listeners can join Ticker's free beta trial today at Ticker.com forward slash hive. That's T-I-K-R dot com forward slash hive.